You're listening to a Behind Closed Doors podcast on 3CR 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash Behind Closed Doors. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes and Spotify. This show is broadcast on the land belonging to the people of Kulin Nation. Behind Closed Doors 3CR pays its respect to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledges that sovereignty has never been ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You have tuned in to 3CR's program Behind Closed Doors. This program explores all topics related to sex work. We give sex workers and allies a comfortable space to share their experiences. We also appreciate questions from the general public. Behind closed doors, aim to uncover what the sex industry is really like. Our program exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful, this program is not suitable for little years, as there may also be explicit language use. Please email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. Good evening, everybody. I am Sasha Sidek. Welcome to another episode of Behind Closed Doors. Tonight's episode is really, really special. We are celebrating International Day of People with Disabilities. That actually falls on the 3rd of December. That's tomorrow. This important day aims to raise awareness and promote action around the rights of the people with disabilities and their full inclusion in society. And we encourage people to share the message of inclusion and diversity so that collectively we can truly build a world where all people are included and valued as equal members of society. We all know COVID-19 pandemic has been really hard for the people with disabilities having widespread impact on individuals and communities around the world. But tonight, I have a really special guest, a person with disability, a man with many talent, a dear friend of mine, Bernie Clifford. Hi, Bernie. How are you? Hi, Sasha. Thank you for having me today. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I guess I already know a lot about you, so I guess the listeners would like to know who Bernie Clifford is. Well, uh, I'm uh, f- 52 now, 53. Uh, 29 years ago, I had an accident where I was hit by a bus and lost my whole left leg and damaged a bit of the right. And uh, and what during that period of time, I was studying to be a nurse at Deakin and uh, I wasn't able to finish that RN degree, but I was able to go back to uni and finish a science degree with majors in nursing and uh, microbiology. But the reason why I was doing nursing relates back to the arts is that I wanted to work my way around the world, become worldly. I knew I was only young, 25, and I knew I was pretty unworldly and and still a bit immature. And uh, so I chose to swap over into nursing when it was available at Deakin and, uh, and then the goal was work my way around the world. Then years later, come back to Australia and make feature films. That was my goal. I uh, got hit by the bus, so couldn't finish the nursing rounds, but uh, still got the degrees, just more for to let my parents know I was okay and all this. And, uh, but then I sort of said, right, well, I'm not going to be working my ra- way around as a nurse, but I will follow the goal to be a filmmaker. And uh, 
So I then opened up my own little cinema uh, called Weeknights at Bernie's. I used my mate's nightclub wow. uh, in Geelong, the Woolwich James, a great friend, Damon Gorman, uh, assisted me in setting that up. So that was um, Mondays to Wednesdays usually. Um, hired a massive big old projector. You can see the similar type of projectors on display in the foyer and the mezzanine level of the Astor, well, they used to be there. It probably still is. And where I used to have like three or four bouncers at the nightclub, push it out into place every Sunday night when they finished and uh, for me to operate my cinema for the Mondays to Wednesdays where I just showed all art house and and um, cult movie classics as a double feature, but it actually predated all the gold class. You were given your own coffee table, your own couch, the a la carte menu was on from the restaurant and you had drinks and and I would operate this big old 35mm projector in the vision of, of people in the audience and they could see me changing over the spools and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, and we did, we went very well and... Uh, and at the end of that year, then I went back to uni at this time, different Deakin campus, and I did their media arts mm. degree and honours year and, and my short film in the honours year went on to win a few awards around the world. And uh, then when that happened, then I decided, right, I'll do my own little media arts um, company where I made a lot of videos, training, information, weddings, uh, made other people's short films for them so mm. they could enter into festivals um, and was progressing along but wasn't getting closer to making that feature film. So I then was playing, because I'd lost a leg, I'd also got into some para sports and I was playing wheelchair basketball and uh, met a great mate, uh, Nick Morris, in the wheelchair basketball scene and uh, he was an accessibility consultant. He'd just consulted on the, the Sydney Olympics and all the stadiums and the associated infrastructure and uh, he needed someone to make a training video uh, for taxi drivers to get their uh, wheelchair taxi licence. And uh, he said, could I help him make this training package? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we put it all together and then I was sort of asking him about what he did. And uh, I said, well, I, I might give that a go because I can read drawings. Lots of my friends had done architecture and we'd all used to help them build mm -hmm. their models for their mm -hmm. assignments. and. And all that sort of thing, and and uh, so I uh, started helping him out. And uh, oh, actually, just before I swapped over to help him out, I was actually working at Arts Access Victoria for a year, um, helping them create their training uh, staff training package for art centres and performing arts spaces. So I helped put that training package together, and then I started helping Nick with this uh, this wheelchair taxi program. And once we finished that, I started working with him doing some access consulting and I had to teach myself all the Australian standards and when a building permit is triggered, it triggers the, the compliance to the accessibility standards, although not back then, that was 14 years ago, we, it was more about a DDA complaint risk or Disability Discrimination Act, complaint risk removal. But nowadays, current standards, current building codes, uh, triggers the compliance mm. with the uh, the disability access to premises standards. Yeah. So I started working with him as an access consultant and then, then I was able to buy a, a 10% sort of into his business and then when we merged with a larger company, I sold my shares and started my own accessibility consulting business and 
with the pure target that it funds my arts projects. Mm. So, so that business has um, four amazing staff continuing today, so it's over 12 years old now, and it's funded um, the first five years of the Lawn Film Festival, which yeah. I was one of the directors of. Then um, it also funded a big theatrical event that I uh, co-produced with uh, Willow Conway, who was um, her her production of um, the Living Museum of Erotic Women, which had program of uh, different women of history and an insight into their personal and their their side that you know you wouldn't really know about because it's always suppressed by male yeah. points of view of history and. Uh, and that ran for a very successful month over a five-storey building that you've wandered through all the levels in Collingwood in Easy Street there. Mm. Um, those fantastic building designed by Svee Belling with the trains on the roof. And uh, I was actually the access consultant on that project and that's how I knew about the building and asked if I could rent it. And, uh, and with a longer goal that it became a little art centre that I might own but uh, it didn't sort of go ahead down that path but um six years later i'm now here i've got my own venue in richmond called poem and a palace of magnificent experiences and it's a multi-arts gallery mm -hmm. um performance space performing arts space exhibition and live music venue and cinema eventually i've got projectors in there and yeah. we'll we'll see we'll get get going you know next year and we're just getting up and running again after mm. about the 7-3 opening. <laughs> of course, we were ready to open in March of 2020 and, of course, that was the yeah. date of COVID um, coming into play so we couldn't get open that year and um, just stop and start, stop and start, yeah. Um, but the accessibility consulting still goes and mm. it's still it's the safety net for that other business. It funds the, the rent and all that sort of thing until it can be self-sustaining. Mm. And I do have a cinema in Geelong too that I'm part owners in uh, called the Pivotonian and that's a beautiful 84-person purpose-built cinema and um, Mark and Jessica are down there who are run it and own it too. Um, they've done a magnificent job and that's a beautiful little accessible um, cinema as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm an accessibility consultant by day and a venue operator and artistic director by night and okay. weekends. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. You're a man of many talent. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hop it's about. Pretty, it's pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, hop about. But yeah. um, I would like to get back into um, that day when you lose your leg. You said you were, were here. Uh, by a bus. Yes. Uh, can you uh, take us into that time when yeah. that happened? Yeah, it was um, an exciting time. I was 25 and uh, I was working at the Barland Club Hotel in Geelong but also mm -hmm. in the final year of nursing and um, and really in my mind I was starting to think about, yeah, future plans and yeah. I was just starting to become a bit more mature and uh, <laughs> uh, and, and focused and, uh, and I was excitable and... Um, we the the cup was a a, a big trip uh, with the pub that I worked at uh, um, staff and patrons and, uh, and in those days it was all parked down towards the Maribyrnong River end and and at the end of the day just in the hustle and bustle of people trying to leave from that crowded area it also was pouring with rain right. and uh, and this interstate touring bus just uh, needed to floor it to get it up this steep hill, steep slippery hill, and he didn't see me as he zoomed up the hill. 
and eventually people, once he hit me, people had to get in front of him to make him sort of stop. stop. And, uh, and uh, I was still quite audible. I said to the Ambos, I remember saying, I reckon I've broken my leg and I was in, you know, nurse's mind and all that. <laughs> and you could see their eyes roll going, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I'd crushed one leg yeah. and, and completely uh, wrecked the right leg, which I still have, and it was, um, its femur was broken and tibia and fibia and degloved, they call it, that the skin had been mm-hmm. ripped off the... And, uh, but, yeah, and got into hospital and, uh, you know, it was sedated for about 18 days as they um, tried to, well, they took the leg off about four days apparently. Um, and, uh, but I, I wasn't fast. When I woke up, I actually, uh, or come to, I sort of thought it was just the next day and uh, I was a bit confused because I yeah. wasn't, you know, but anyway, I, I thought actually... Before I saw the folks or anything, I thought, oh, I'm missing a leg. Uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, if I move to Darwin or Broome, you know, I might just stay up in north of Australia for about seven years and avoid birthdays and Christmases and just bump into the folks years later and say, oh, yeah, sorry, you know, I forgot to tell you, you know, a croc took it or uh. something. <laughs> yeah, just so they wouldn't worry about it, you know. And here I am coming up with this oh my master goodness. plan okay. and then they walk in the room and I'm sort of got pillows down where the leg used to be yeah. and all this trying to bullshit them. But, uh, uh, yeah, they they had the anguish of saying signing the documents to yeah. say yes take off their 25 year old son's leg you know oh my goodness. you know but um but I was never particularly fussed um I'm in a good country or a good state to be run over um the TAC you know look after any of your injuries mm-hmm. till the till the end and um I just got about the rehab just like you would a job I'd made sure yeah. I just did all my rehab you know pretty much nine to five you know and uh and just watched movies or did whatever I liked, you know, yeah. at, at nights while I was in Royal Talbot. And uh, um, and then, yeah, went back to uni the following year and okay. um, and finished off that science degree mm. and then got about the cinema. And uh, But, it, yeah, it was very interesting because I'd, you know, there was times where I had a temporary colostomy, you yeah. know, had to use that, um, didn't know, you know, a bit of unsureness. But actually, no, there was no unsureness. I thought, yeah, no, I'm right. It's not going to... Mm-hmm. And and throughout these 28 years, you know, I just sort of got about it, you know. Um, I, I had, actually didn't have my licence back when I was 25. I'd had plenty of learners and just let okay. them expire because yeah. I always lived in group houses. We always yeah. travelled together. And uh, so I did get a car and that really changed my life. I had a van... Uh, which I called Van Dam, little okay. high ace, Toyota high ace van, and I ended up doing about 1.2 million kilometres in that van and going to music festivals and travelling mm. around Australia, and that that was really cool. As I've in between studies and yeah. and uh, and when I started up my own little that media production company, you know, I also had a bit of flexibility to mm-hmm. take off for a while and then come back and work and yeah. So, yeah, that's good. Well, it sounded like you, it doesn't stop you from anything. I mean, from this, I mean, you still keep moving, which is very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it, there's, I think the hardest thing, well, the easiest thing in life, and I think I've said this to you and yeah. other friends, yeah, the easiest thing in life is just don't follow your dreams. <laughs> you know, that's the easiest thing. Don't follow them, just exist. Just you know? exist, okay. But um, that bores me, so I... I 
I get a great deal of enjoyment out of seeing movies, seeing live music, mm. seeing any artist with passion or any – and the footy as well. And, yeah. uh, and uh, so, yeah, that – and dining yes, as well. And, I, and actually the, the, when we tried to use a, a prosthetic, of course it's such a high-up amputation, it's basically the femur's pulled out of the hip bone. Okay. And uh, um, you would have to sit in sort of a bucket which is tightly – strapped around you, it would have a spring-loaded hip joint, a pneumatic knee and a multi-axle ankle. But it weighed quite a bit in those days. It would be very different nowadays, but because my knee wasn't a needed replacement for those 20-odd years, we didn't really go down too far in the path of prosthetics. So I just used the, the upper crutches. I still, I think one of the great things that has made me quite positive is that I got straight back into mu- music festivals. Anything that the friends at uni were doing, I still yeah. went and did it straight yeah. away. Had a great inspirational mate who uh, we met many years ago when we all started at uni and I was fully limbed and this was Kev Murphy, completely blind. Uh, well, had a bit of vision, I think, and that deteriorated over the years while I was in at uni. And uh, to see him succeed like he became the world champion in trick slalom and the jump in water skiing he represented australian tandem bikes he's also was part of the board of vision australia and he had a role where he um created uh vision programs oversaw vision programs for like mongolia and the south pacific Mm -hmm. and all this and and i used to drive him to his water ski championships and uh and, uh, you know, see his guide dog swim out to pull him into shore when yeah. he crashed and all this yeah. sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, I had no um, reason to mope or or just think, yeah, oh, I've got an injury, I, I won't be able to do anything in yeah. life because this bloke was. And, and I had a little sister too, Simone, who um, uh, she had leukaemia from eight years of age and, and passed away in her 16th um, year. But, uh, you know... She was at, um, you know, you'd see her battle through all the stuff she had to go through, through chemo and yeah. and all that. So, you know, you have those driving forces behind yes. you, yeah. you know. There's no need to to um, think you can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I mean, that is a very positive thinking. I like mm-hmm. that. Tune in to the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. So let's get back to... To the the pandemic, I mean, um, you know, I know your business has struggled a little bit because um, you were supposed to open in March and then you had to hold back for quite some time. When you're about to start again and then you lock, went, lockdown went, it went back again. And can you share a bit of the struggles that you go through with your new business at home? Yeah, so it was an empty shell and my goal was to create a space that... Uh, um, the artists, like whether they be a live performing artist, uh, performing arts or music or visual artists, that they would really uh, enjoy the experience because we, the design of it is there's so much time and effort gone into mm. acoustics and lighting and preparation for any type of artist to present a poem, um, and that that building was it took a lot of building and money to do that. Um, so I was already straining all the possible sources of money through the other business to, yeah. to build it right um, and uh, and then not to be able to open. But back 
in the early March 2020, you didn't know that this was going to be long term mm. or, or more than a few weeks yeah. and so you'd have to try and maintain staff or and all that ready to open as soon as you were allowed to open yeah. and, and we didn't know that it was going to be like another six months before we could open the, yeah. for the first time and then you weren't allowed to have a live music performer in the first type of opening. Yeah. Then you were. So once we were allowed to have a, just a solo artist, we went to five, six nights a week mm-hmm. to try and get people to understand that poem is existing and what it can do and... Uh, and then, yeah, then stop again and, uh, you know, you can see this. I definitely had a lot of pressure on me. I I felt actually for the first time in my life started to feel depression yeah. and uh, because um, there was so much strain on all the finances mm. and uh, we weren't um, able to get uh, funding at that stage because we weren't open before COVID yeah. so yeah. we missed out on a, mm. on a bit, you know, even job keepers and all that we weren't able to get. Um, so then the other business had to cover any of the expenses that this one needed and uh, um, but we but the positive thing that kept driving is okay now we can reopen let's give it a go but always with restrictions on mm. numbers um, staff having to wear masks and patrons and yeah. you know having to be seated and, and all this sort of thing where we just kept adapting and yeah. and unfortunately I you, were, you were so strict I went then you were mm. so strict about people getting mm. up you were like um mm. The COVID uh, restriction um, police in in that bar. In yeah, that well, that's right. We wanted the, yeah. the restrictions to be lifted as soon as possible, and the only way to do that is to yeah. be strict on the current restrictions, yes. so there was no further outbreak or, you know, do our bit. And uh, I suppose because I had a nursing and a microbiology yeah. background, I, I know it's not a hoax, you know, <laughs> a, a fake news, yeah. um, you know, QAnon sort of bullshit. It's, yeah. uh, it's a real thing and, uh, and there was examples of friends and friends of friends getting um, COVID throughout the last year and two years and uh, some have lost their partners mm. and uh, family members. Others have just got long-term illnesses or inabilities to work because of the treatments and uh, yeah yeah so well I was and plus I didn't want to have any fines like poem you know yeah. put it <laughs> as well but yeah. that wasn't the real goal the real goal was just to get on top of this Keeping as best safe. we could do yeah and keep everyone safe and and still enjoy yeah. in the limited surroundings. It, it was a bit yeah. awkward because um, it's it's not normal. No. Uh, yeah, so sometimes you slip your mind and like, I went to the bar, so like, no, you have to be seated. Somebody will come to you. Yeah, so, yeah. that's it. And, uh, and also, yeah, people uh, can cope differently too. Like the, mm. there's anxiety built up into oh. the patron because mm. they have to wear a mask or are they going to be safe from someone next yeah. to them as well. So we're dealing with the patron's anxieties and hopefully take their minds away from from some of the, the risks but still have a safe but uh, enjoyable night. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're gradually, you know, it's been a, a fantastic last few weeks with a lot of the restrictions gone and, um, and look forward to allowing the staff to take their masks off, hopefully from December 15th, yeah. which is the date tentatively put forward. Okay. And, um, yeah, and full steam ahead. During this pandemic, uh, disability people um, was being cut off from vital aids and supports. Is that what you experience as well? No, I don't have any support mechanism. I'm quite independent, but mm-hmm. there would be, um, you know, ranges of disabilities uh, 
you know, are all individually yep. um, f- focused. So there will, there's definitely uh, people who need daily routines care and, uh, and you know, with the restrictions to carers, you know, some of those would have been missed out mm. because of, you know, oversight um, by, by the... the and the health industry, and uh, that's a real shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breathe in and out. You're listening to 3CR. And I do believe as well you have used sex workers' um, services in the past, so you like body contact. So is that something that um, was hard for you during the pandemic and during the lockdown? That, yeah. Because a lot of sex workers can't even work. Yeah, the um, I have 24-hour phantom pains uh, in various uh, intensities. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're at their very worst, it's, it's almost like a, a knife stabbing, stabbing into your leg and slowly cutting up in towards the, the hip. And uh, the, it's only been in the last sort of five or six years that I've managed to um, alleviate those severe attacks, those phantom attacks, by getting massage. Mm-hmm. And uh, a fantastic person who works upon me and... Uh, we weren't able to see each other, you know, yeah. initially yeah. until we sort of worked out, yeah, well, we could do once a month, you know, maybe and make make that person my, my bubble person, yeah, yeah. you know. And, but, but in between all those, I was get, trying to deal with the stress of work yeah. and I was getting the sharp acute attacks again and right. that was really adding to the sort of depression I was probably was feeling mm. at the time. But mm. once we started getting back to um, those regular contacts, then it cuts down five to six acute attacks a, a month to five or six a year, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, that's how the bigger difference. Plus it's also uh, there's lots of parts of me that I have no feeling mm. um, and, uh, you know, it's just and I don't have a partner or anything like that, I suppose. I'm just, I think... Because I'm, I'm uh, f- full of pain and all this, I don't think I've gone down the partner route because I don't want them to have to worry about, you know, these times when I don't sleep and all sorts of things. Uh, and when I can't sleep due to pain, well, then I get up and I try and work, you know, yeah. and that could be for hours throughout the night or whatever. So that's probably how I achieve so much because, you know, you I, do. Just, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, if I, I don't want to just fight through some pain, I go, well, I can't, it's not going to let me sleep, so I might as well get up and edit something or do something. Okay. And, uh, but, um, yeah, so the the massage and, and some other sex workers that I've tried, I've used, mm-hmm. has been... Um, very important to me as I try and work through, you know, ways to be um, intimate and all mm-hmm. that because I also bloody had prostate cancer just before COVID started. So right. I'm dealing with uh, the post-operations of that, which um, has really uh, affected me because there was, although we, we got, uh, um, we approached the cancer and that seems to have all gone, mm-hmm. uh, some of the radiation has burnt some of the linings of, right. of different vessels and, yeah. and that's really stuffed up um, a natural, uh, you know, intimate yeah. session, yeah, with someone. So so that's been very vital to me to have great contacts um, that have been sex workers and, and my masseuse yeah. Uh, to, yeah, oh. to move forward, yeah. Okay, so... Um Wow, it's almost coming to an end to our show. I wish we had a longer time. Um, 
Do you have any um, advice for uh, people to, to, I mean, people with disabilities to stay positive like you? I mean, I mean... I'm I'm very I'm I'm you are like a role model to many people because you're you you done a lot in your life even though you know you only had one leg but you can you have done a lot more. So do you have any I think overall you know it's it's okay to be and this is the you know push for mental health and all that it's okay to be not okay so mm-hmm. that's fine. Um and like I said before though the easiest thing in life is not to follow your dreams. So even if it's you're not going in the exact direction of um, some of the things you like, always have where you what you want to do in the back of your mind. Um, so it could be <clears throat> even if you wanted to be a, a filmmaker, for example, and you're working in a retail shop, that doesn't mean you're not still working towards your goal. What it could be meaning is that you're saving up a percentage of your pay each week to then make your film on your holidays. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be in the same industry to still work towards your goals. Yeah. And, uh, and then always, um, um, like, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that if I'm a little bit... I love movies so much that... I'll go and see a movie when I'm really happy, but also if I'm feeling a bit down, I'll go and see a movie. So, yeah. you know, that's my little uh, little band-aid to things. And um, and so, yeah, just find things you really love. And, uh, and yeah, the, the key there is priorities. So if you have... It doesn't matter what it is, if it's a priority, you get you will end up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's the future of Bernie Clifford? I just want to see poem my venue uh, self-sustaining, uh, giving people um, uh, security and a future that they can uh, take ownership of the, the space who are working there. And um, and then I get to the stage where three to maybe four to five months a year I travel to festivals and, and events and venues around Australia and around the world to then... Um, invite artists to come and, and perform or exhibit at my space. Mm-hmm. So that would be a great next 50 years, you know, of um, a lifestyle. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming to our show today and um, I wish you all the best and I can't wait to go to Palm again. Thank you. Good on you, Sasha. Cheers. <laughs> This is a replay from an episode of Behind Closed Doors. We sincerely hope you enjoy this episode as much as we have enjoyed producing it.